big one to watch this year might be liver fluke. We've had an extremely wet summer, obviously, and I think some of the test results that have been done at national level are showing a lot higher of a liver fluke burden than in previous years. And that's to be expected. We have a lot of rain, you know, about the wet summer, cattle standing in wet fields. Some are talking about rumen fluke issues as well. I'm hearing that. Uh, so some farmers are going with maybe an oxytocinite or whatever to, to, to try and um, combat um, rumen fluke. Uh, but look, that's... It depends really on whether you actually have the issue on your farm. Some people make an assumption they may have Roman fluke when it's actually maybe a liver fluke problem they need to be dealing with. Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Dairy B500 Programme Manager Alan Dillon and Programme Advisor Fergal Maguire to get an update on the programme and discuss winter management. Alan and Fergal, you're very welcome. Alan, overall it's been a difficult year on farms across the country and weather made grazing difficult across the year. It has, Catherine, yeah. And I suppose, look, certain parts of the country fared worse than the others. Um, I suppose the southwest typically fared the worst, I would imagine, overall, if you take the whole year. You know, we started off with, a, I suppose, a bit of a dry February that didn't really do much for some people, but a bit of early grazing, a bit of slurry got out. But, you know, we had a bad March and April, and then that was followed by a bit of a small drought in, in June, which was welcome to get silage in, in in the May as well. But then since July in the south, it's been extremely wet um, right through for since probably middle of June. Um, so overall, I suppose we've been dealing with very, very high levels of rainfall. Uh, some of the weather stations are, are looking at around, I'd say, anything from three to 500 mil over the over the, the the yearly average, depending on how the rest of the year fares out, um, which is very substantial and, and it's very visible on land at the minute. Um, some certain parts of the of the of the country, especially heavier areas, are 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 extremely saturated and have been for for a number of months now. Um, in terms of grass growth, I suppose it didn't actually fare out too bad. While it was extremely wet, um, the 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 mild temperatures did allow grass to grow at probably a better better rate than we expected. So we're probably not going to be back in terms of grass growth rates at any great degree this year. The problem has been the utilization of it, uh, damage to ground, and we've had to house stock, I suppose, a hell of a lot earlier than we expected to. With the heavy rainfall, Fergal, Alan has mentioned there how utilisation on farms was difficult. How are programme farmers managing to extend the grazing season on farms? The plan that was put in place for the autumn planner kind of went out the window. Usually, particularly in my neck of the woods there, you'd have weanlands out grazing until the 1st of December. Most of them are all back in now at the moment. Um, look, grass growth has been fairly good up until now. Um we are seeing there is heavy covers. The number of farmers there were covers of over uh, 2,000 at the moment. So, look, uh, we'll just get out with cattle maybe in January if, if we get a dry spell, same as last year, get out with cattle that, and just get them grazed off and get them going back again. But, look, there is a lot of heavy covers out there at the moment, um, but you couldn't go out and graze them at the, uh, with just with the ground conditions at the moment. You just couldn't go out and graze them. And, Fergal, from the results of silage samples taken on farms, what is the quality of the silage this year? Looking at it, silage is first cut silage is is, is good. Um, looking at the range, so the worst we had was sixty nine DMD, and it went all the way up to seventy eight DMD for red clover silage. So, I think so. May and June, uh, there was a good spell there that were good silage was cut, and even for second cut and third cuts, there was opportunities in my neck towards and maybe not with them with you, Alan, but in in, in there was just a couple of spells. When second and third cut was coming, that 
uh, there was opportunities to take it out. So, look, Silas quality, from what I'm seeing anyway, is, is good at the moment. Um, maybe Alan is probably a bit worse than with you. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose uh, we've seen, again, a big variation results. Again, the reseeded swars that were cut early and the and the or maybe the red clover silage performed quite well, you know, up into the, you know, 70 to 78 TMD. But you did see there was very little opportunity, especially with the way ground conditions went, probably into July down around the south, unless you're on extremely free draining ground, that getting them second cuts off is a bit of a problem. And while some of our program farms might have picked out some silage here and there along the way, it might have been too bad, maybe in the high six, mid to high 60s. Um, I suppose nationally, and I know looking at silage results that I'm seeing outside of the program farms, there's some extremely poor silage made this year. Um, even some first cuts that were delayed, being closed up and went into... July it was it was extremely poor stuff that was made and there's, got, there's a lot of ration going to be needed now to to balance that out this winter to maintain performance and stock and and that's going to come as an extreme cost. That's true, Alan. Particularly with weanlands that's been housed on farms and been managed through now until the spring. How are they being managed on the program farms? Look, I suppose performance on a lot of the farms is back, given that the dry matters were so low um, for uh, for uh, the summer period in the grass uh, especially with calves um, so we're looking at weights being back probably up to maybe 20-30 kilos in some scenarios on calves and maybe bigger cattle could be anything from 30 to 50 kilos back depending on I suppose the weather you experience and I suppose the stocking rate in the farm and maybe how much pressure stock we're under trying to graze out heavy wet swords um, so I suppose look what we'll be saying is if, if your weanlands are back a bit you probably need to go with a bit of extra ration so maybe you're going to give them that extra kilo or a kilo and a half over the winter plus good quality silage to try and grow them on a bit now I suppose what you don't want to hit is maybe your, your the impact of compensatory growth next spring so what we would be recommending is to maybe feed on a bit of extra meal now between now and maybe next January and then maybe you can start to taper them off then uh, prior to turn out to grass there, there in, in, in March. I suppose, look, it's, it's an expensive way of doing it, but I don't see too many other options that are there at the minute. If your wheelands are back, you know, you want to make up some of that ground not to be totally relying on compensatory growth to get them back on track next spring. So it, it is about putting in that, that ration and, and testing that silage and see what you're dealing with. And for the silage you have to mention there, I suppose there's huge variation across from the programme farmers and possibly non-programme farms. What kind of ration or what ingredients should farmers be looking at now for in rations for those weanlings? Yeah, for, for weanlings, I suppose, um, you're looking at a bit more of a high-protein diet. So, you know, you're looking to get that bit of soya bean meal into it or whatever, you know, some kind of a high-protein source. Uh, it does make it that little bit more expensive in terms of putting a ration together but it's warranted in terms of the performance you're going to get and it'll it'll shorten the finishing period hopefully at the other end next year for your finishing stock you know you're you're looking at high energy you know high maize high barley probably 70 to 80 percent cereals in it to try and get them stock a bit of fat cover on the stock and haven't gone in maybe 60 to 100 days and fergal heavier stock had to be housed a lot earlier this winter and possibly some over the summer how would they be managed now over the winter until they're finished out of the shed next spring? Yeah, so look, probably uh, in, in, I had a few farmers that actually had to house cattle because it was too dry in May and June. Grass growth had slowed down significantly. So there was cattle housed that stage there and they were finished in August. They finished at light weight, so they would have been housed at maybe 480, 490 kilos, black white bullocks, um, and freezing bullocks, and they'd have been finished around 550, 560. Um, so... They were killing out around 270, 280. Um, then again in September and October, you had the wet spell and, and, and cattle were housed again. Um, 
look, they're coming here fin- uh, fit now at the moment, so lads would want to be just throwing an eye and a, ha- a hand on them um, and, and, and pulling them off as they come fit. Look, generally what we're saying is we're saying a high-energy ration, so five kilos of high-energy ration um, plus good quality silage. If your silage is down in the mid-60s, um, you'd probably want to be up in the meal up to maybe six, seven kilos. But for 70 plus DMD silage, we're talking five kilos of, of, of a high-energy uh, ration. Um, and look, with your traditional breeds, uh, 60 days will do a lot. So that just keep an eye on them. You don't want to get them to be going over fat, especially your heifers. Um, with your freezing bullocks, they'll probably need a bit longer. But there is freezing bullocks coming fitted 60, 70 days um, as, as well. So look, that's what you'd be feeding is your... Depending on what your silage and analyze between five and seven kilos a meal. Alan, I suppose the health plan for each of the farms, they're tailored with the vet and the farmer. What are the main treatments the farmers are carrying out now? Yeah, I'd say, Catherine, the big one to watch this year might be liver fluke. Um, we've had an extremely wet summer, obviously, and I think some of the test results that have been done at national level are showing a lot higher of a liver fluke burden than in previous years and that's to be expected when you have a lot of rain you know about the wet summer cattle standing in wet fields um some are talking about rumen fluke issues as well i'm hearing that uh, so some farmers are going with maybe an oxytocinide or whatever to, to to try and um combat um rumen fluke uh, but look that's it depends really on whether you actually have the issue on your farm. Some people make an assumption they may have rumen fluke when it's actually maybe a liver fluke problem they need to be dealing with. Uh, worm control is also happening at the minute. So, you know, there, there's a farmers are dosing, dosing cattle for worms going into the shed um, and also lice treatment. So I suppose, look, we generally find that farmers need a couple of runs to lice treatment that a lot of the products that have been used, you know, they, they, have, a, they have a life cycle of, of, you know, probably three or four weeks before a follow-up treatment is needed. Clipping the backs as well is, is, is excellent practice in terms of um, reducing the issues with lice. And if you can get your clippers out and give a good wide cut up along the back uh, just to clip the hair, you know, eliminate that habitat for the lice and, and then give your pore on your, your probably your best chance of, of, of controlling it. And then finally, you have your vaccines. I suppose does some people do them are, are doing are doing the the stock for IBR going into the shed, <clears throat> giving them their IBR booster, um, which lasts six months. Um, that's the the live live vaccine, the live injection, and we would be encouraging farmers of weanlings into the shed to to cover them for RSV and PI three, be that you know which is basically two forms of pneumonia, um, which is done by either an intranasal uh one shot program or either or else an injectable two shot program, typically. The intranasal ones probably cover for around three months, uh, which will get you over the main uh, danger period until stock are settled inside. But they do they do work a lot quicker. Uh, or else you go with the two shot program, which is generally two shots given either three or four weeks apart, depending on the on the manufacturer. And these typically give around six months of cover, so it covers them right through probably to turnout next year. <clears throat> so look, it's up to every farmer what he wants to administer, but we would be recommending. Um, especially given the weather conditions we're having, you know, these typically wet, damp, mild days. We haven't really gotten any nice, hard, frosty weather yet. Um, stock are doing a lot of coughing in sheds, and I would be taking note of any coughing that's going on in sheds too. You know, try and assess is it a liver or a, a lungworm problem, should I say, or is it a, a viral problem that's there, especially if you hear a lot of coughing. You've, you kind of de- need to diagnose between the two and see what's the correct uh, course of treatment to take. And I suppose for diagnosing worm issues or fluke issues, um, it's it's good practice to take a, a dung sample and get it tested inside with your vet or in a lab and see is there any uh, evidence in the in the sample of any any treatment needed. 
Fergal, there are a number of farmers across the country currently completing the dairy calf to beef course. How are they going so far? Yeah, so look, last August, uh, or just August gone by, uh, we had 37 uh, students that graduated from the dairy calf to beef courses. So there was a southwestern course and then there was a southeastern course. So look, it was spread over five days. Um, the first day was all everyone went to Grange, so that was all to do with uh, different calf to beef systems. So they could we looked at the returns, the possible returns, and the different targets that have to be met in each of the systems. And uh, then we had Nicky Byrne there, and he just brought us to the work that Grange is doing on the different systems. Um, the next day we had in, was in January, so that was all to do with calf rearing. So in the morning we had a, a vet out, a vet looking at just keeping your calf healthy. Um, so we were looking at vaccination programs, procedures when the calf comes onto the farms, and looking a bit on 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 housing and modifying existing housing for for calving. Um, and then we went out onto a farm that uh, that done onto a dairy beef five hundred farm that would have been doing a good job on 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 the whole calf rearing. The next day was focusing on grassland management. Um, that was in February, then to February. So we had some of the lads in from Grass Ten. Uh, so they uh, would have went through just looking at setting up the farm for grazing on a dairy calf beef system. We'd have done a bit on the on pasture uh, pasture base and, and, and measuring grass. And then we went out onto one of the farms that was really uh, doing a good job on on, on, on the grass side of things. Then in April we went out to uh, we would have looked at uh, mid season management. So again in the morning um, we kind of looked at the whole just so looking at maybe at that time of the year we had calves transitioning uh, from inside to outside. Where we looked at how to really maximum weight gain from grass during the mid-season and then we looked at probably a bit on parasite control and uh, weed control as well and then again we went out to a far- dairy beef 500 farm in the afternoon and looked at um, uh, do, do we just went out to a farm that was really getting good weight gain coming from grass uh, during the mid-season and then finally in August we had a, a day that really fo- looked at just the finishing side of the, thing, uh, side of the things so we had uh, we went to the factory in the morning um, we had a number of cattle lined up so we all got to look at them and handle them cattle some were uh, under flesh some of them were over flesh and some of them were right and we went through the whole kill line we'd seen them cattle uh, killed and we looked at the carcass as well and then a factory agent would have went through with us uh, why they require certain specs and why they do not like other specs so overweight cattle and underweight cattle then again in the afternoon we went out onto a farm and we had groups of cattle that were close to finishing Um cattle that were probably six, uh, two months away from finishing with, with, with feeding, and then we cattle that were probably four or five months away from feeding. So we handled them. It was just really to kind of get an idea of cattle that are close to slaughter, cattle that are that need to be fed, and cattle that are probably a bit away from feeding that need to be grown, the free needs to be grown on them. So look, um, the feedback from the students, so we've done a bit of a survey, and look, uh, the students are very happy with the course, they're happy with the content of the course, and the structure of the course. So look, we're running, we're starting up two new courses in December. So there'll be a northern region one and a southern region uh, course uh, uh, set up. Um, that's starting on the 6th of December. Google Dairy Calf to Beef, uh, uh, a new entrant course. It'll come up there and you can register to do an expression of interest. And then if if um, if the numbers haven't filled up, we'll contact you and, and, and we'll send you a link to register onto the course. But look, anyone who's in the calf to beef, whether they're thinking about going in, whether they're existing farmers or even dairy farmers that that rear a lot of calves, um, it's a good thing to do because what we see out in ground is that some lads are doing everything right. Um, they're making 
good profits per hectare um, from dairy calves to beef production. But then on the flip side, lads that are just missing certain targets and maybe slipping on, on, on certain aspects of, of, of the whole uh, calf rearing, they're barely breaking even. So look, there is different skills that can be learned, uh, whether you're a new entrant or an existing, what, what will help you um, have a profitable enterprise at the end of the Thanks very much, Fergal. I'll include the link to the podcast text for any farmer that's interested in registering for the course. Thanks very much, Alan, and thanks very much, Fergal, for the update on the Dairy B500 programme. That's all for this week's episode, and my thanks to Alan and Fergal for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie, or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.